Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hey everybody and welcome back to The Sex Rep. You're here today with Spring and Andrew, your favorite internet sex personalities, answering the questions that you've submitted about sex, about relationships, about sexual health. Uh, and we love answering your questions, so uh, keep sending them in. You can email us, we're thesexrap at gmail.com, and you can DM us on any of our social medias at The Sex Rep. Um, and that's rap with a W. Um, and Spring, how are you? I'm good. I am going through a breakup that's making me feel pretty sad a lot, but I also am feeling hopeful and optimistic and excited about my life. Um, and I like how I can have all those feelings at the same time. It's kind of cool. I mean, breakups are really rough and we have a ton of questions about, we could do a whole month about breakups, not while you're in the midst of one, but, um, <laughs> But if we really if we really look at the human experience, we actually are better at connecting to other people when we're grieving. We're better at connecting and having honest conversations about ourselves. And we do the most self-improvement when we're being honest with ourselves about what that breakup looks like. And I'm not encouraging you all or trying to diminish your your, your sadness right now, but um like breakups are one of those points in our lives where we can make some real positive changes and then move on towards somebody better or somebody different or maybe multiple peoples or no peoples, right? Depending on what you're looking for at the end of it all. Uh, but I'm sorry that you're going through this uh, breakup spring. I know breakups are hard, but uh, doing the right thing and really like building that life that you want uh, after the breakup is, is, you know, like that goal that you sort of put there, you know, at the end of this pain, at the end of the sadness, I know that I will be better off for it. So, and I know you'll be better off too. Hashtag relationship goals relationship goals. <laughs> yeah. We have a whole episode about that also. <laughs> we, it's, it's, it's wild to me that we have like 200 episodes plus uh, and we have... Oh. oh no, we have 300 episodes plus. <laughs> like Just like so many questions keep rolling in um, and we love answering them. So, uh, all right. And today our question is... When should I get tested? Um, and there's a lot more context to our question. Uh, like, you know, made some choices, did some things, had some sex, not so sure what I'm supposed to do at this point. Maybe didn't use a condom. Maybe didn't know the other person. Maybe didn't ask about. Anyway, um, we've gotten questions like this before, uh, but I thought it would be really important for us to like revisit the idea of getting tested um, and maybe help take down some of the anxiety around it. Uh, so the question coming in is, when should I get tested? But I think that we should break it up into some other questions to make it easier. Uh, and at the beginning is like, so to the, to the person who sent this question in is like, yes, you should get tested and we're going to talk about when and how and why. Um, but for everybody else who is not that person, we should take a step back. Like, should you get tested? And who are the people who should be getting tested? Everybody? Is this a trick question? <laughs> so, like, so, if you even just want to be sexually active in your life, get tested. Yeah. So, and breaking it down a little bit further, should you get tested? Yes. You should get tested if you've had sexual contact, contact that can put you at risk, which means any sexual contact at all can put you at risk, right? It's not just fluids. Skin-to-skin -skin contact can spread um, STIs as well. Um, 
if you if you have any sign or symptom of any STI, you should definitely get tested. And the thing is, the signs and symptoms vary not only per uh, sexually transmitted disease or infection, um, but by person, right? Like some people might have almost no symptoms. Some people might have blisters and bumps. Some people might have discharge. Um, but if you have anything really that's out of the ordinary, like you you should hopefully know your body, know what it looks like, smells like, what the bumps and folds and whatever it is are. Uh, if there's anything funky going on there, should definitely get tested. Um, and even if you are not currently sexually active, but are, like Spring said, if you're planning on it or in the past you have been, um, the actual recommendation is that everybody get tested annually. That's even even if you're using condoms, even if you have no symptoms, that like annual tests just make it a normal habit that you do. So just every everybody should be getting tested. And I think it's really important to talk about, you know, why the recommendation is kind of so broad sweeping, like why does everyone just need to get tested once a year? And some of the things that contribute to that is, So some of these infections don't have any symptoms. So some people think they don't need to get tested until they have symptoms, but you might not see or feel the symptoms. They might even just be happening internally and you don't know about them, right? And then also we have this thing that a lot of people put themselves at risk and don't realize they've put themselves at risk because they might have um, just rubbed genitals with somebody and think, oh, that doesn't put me at risk, right? So there's things that people do that they think aren't risky that actually are. So that's another reason. And then the other reason is, and we'll talk a little bit more about this later, is, you know, some things are not going to show up in the test for a little while. So if you put yourself at risk and you got tested before that specific infection might have had a chance to perpetuate itself in your body enough to show up on the test, then Maybe it didn't show up on that test, but it will on the next. So it's really important to make this a very regular process, a very regular thing in your life so that you're making sure that you'll catch anything early enough to treat it to cause any, to prevent any long-term problems. And there are some long-term problems that happen. Uh, Spring Spring and I are going to mention many times in this episode, often people will catch an STI and there'll be no signs or symptoms at all. But that doesn't mean it's not doing potentially permanent damage to your reproductive tract, um, not leading to things like uh, oral cancer or cancer, anal cancer or cervical cancer or uh, causing infertility. Like They can't STDs can cause a lot of issues. And I'm saying STD and STI back and forth this episode. Um, We've talked about on the the show before how, you know, the whole sexual research intervention world was trying to force everyone to say STI, and it didn't catch on after like 30 years. So a lot of places are now reverting back to STD. Um, We're going to, I mean, I will use them both. Uh, I accept them both interchangeably. If you say one, I think the same overall things, and it's the same recommendation. So if you ever hear anyone say STD or STI, we're pretty much saying the same thing. Um, But we're saying get tested every year. There's a lot of anxiety that people have surrounding getting tested. I mean, I would say the hardest thing about getting tested is that anxiety that comes with the entire process, the, the process leading up to it. Of course, of course. I mean, the unknown is like the scariest thing in this life. We're all always afraid of what comes next, you know. And for some reason, 
getting a test just brings that to our mind, really. It doesn't change anything, right? Like getting the test doesn't change whether or not you already have this infection. It's actually more helpful to you to know sooner. So the getting tested is actually, you know, a helpful thing, not a thing to cause worry, but it does that thing where it just brings it to the forefront of our mind. We think about it, we think about it, we think about it. We get really nervous about what the results might be. and. Um, I mean, I think part of this is like, you know, how can we rephrase this? How can I like really start to think like, okay, I'm going to do this to make sure I don't have anything. And if I do have anything, we'll figure it out. We'll do what we need to do. We're going to catch it earlier because I'm getting tested, you know. And that's part of, that's part of it. But yeah, it, it's still scary. It's still anxiety producing. Like I think most medical things have a little bit of that with it, right? I mean, people are just afraid of bad news, especially bad news that impacts you. Uh, And it's easy to live in blissful ignorance, but in that blissful ignorance, you could put other people at risk or cause long-term permanent damage. Uh, It's also really important to note, um, all of the major STIs out there now have really solid treatment plans. A lot of them we can cure. Some of them we have vaccine, vaccines for. Um, but regardless of what the result of that test is, right, negative or positive, there are many, many, many pathways to happy, healthy, successful, sexy lives, right? Um, it's about care for yourself and care for others and protecting your sexuality. Um, but we do need to take a short break. When we get back, we're going to continue talking about how, why, when you should get tested. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are answering questions about getting tested today. Um, so the question that came in was full of anxiety. And Spring and I were just talking a little bit about like the hardest part of STD test, STI test, is like the anxiety leading up that unknown, like what happens? What happens if? Uh, and the answer is what happens if is there's a pathway for you to be okay. Um, but we've talked about the sort of should I get tested? And the answer is is probably yes. Um, the, the next we should talk about how should I get tested? A lot of people don't even know what it looks like. Um, and it can happen in a lot of different ways, right? Uh, you can get tested with your primary care physician if you're comfortable with that. If you're not, there are lots of free health resources, right? Most parts of the United States and most developed countries um, have really great sexual health testing resources where you can get it for free almost everywhere. Um, so you can go to your a place like Planned Parenthood would offer free testing. And that's actually a huge part of what Planned Parenthood does. Um, and I think something really cool that's come out recently is that you can order mail-in tests. So if you're absolutely terrified or you don't want to see a doctor, you want to do it at home, um, you can actually get tested for, I think it's chlamydia, gonorrhea, and HIV um, with a home test where you, you know, a little package comes in the mail, you do some swabs, either genital or oral swabs, and then you send it off and you get your test electronically a week or so later. But there's lots of different ways that you can get it. Um, but when you're getting that annual STI test, right, what does it look like? Um, and there are going to be some swabs involved. And by swab, I just mean, you know, a Q-tip. Uh, and that Q-tip is going to be pressed into your genitals. Um, if you're having anal sex, that's going to be probably pressed into your anus. Uh, you can get a blood test uh, and you're going to get a urine test, right? So you want some blood, you want some swabs, and you want some urine. And, that, Ooh, and that's it. Blood, urine, and swabs. Oh, my. <laughs> and, you know, so we were talking about, you know, the ways of getting these. And some people really want to 
make it less scary. And they think it'll be less scary by doing it at home. Um, and I just kind of want to talk about that a little bit, you know, like why, why would we choose one method or the other? Um, and you can't get, you can't do all of the tests you need to at home. So I think, you know, if for some reason you need to do that in between or something that makes sense, but as a regular check, you can, you know, do this at like a yearly appointment if you um, have a uterus and you're going to have pap smears, you can also do it when you go to get your pap smears um, and have that re- be like a regular thing that you do. Um, but one of the problems with a mail-in test is that you don't have the support of somebody there, you know, to talk you through um, some of your questions, to like um, counsel you with your options. And so I think that the mail-in tests are a great option. And, you know, if you're feeling anxious, definitely opt for the path of more support, I would say. I would say actually go in somewhere, have somebody, um, you know, right there that can can help you with your questions. I mean, I think so many people have so many questions at that time, you know, when they're getting tested. So, And if you go into a place like uh, a Planned Parenthood or a sexual health clinic, the people and support staff and nurses and doctors there do this work all of the time. No stigma, no judgment. They're there literally to help you with your sexual health. Uh, and they will really help you bring down that anxiety. Uh, I don't. I think that the judgment is really what people are afraid of as well. Like, well, what if my doctor, my 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 PCP, my primary care physician, who's known me since I was a baby, finds out that I have chlamydia? What's going to happen? Are they going to tell my parents? Um, so, I think using those sexual health clinics is really a great option uh, if you're worried about that as well. And most of them have free or sliding scales, and you can get those tests really, really, really cheap. And if you're at a college or university, you can go to their health clinics and almost everywhere in the country, um, they've taken that away from like the normal uh, payment plan. So it's free and no email goes to your parents. No one finds out. Uh, so you get to talk to a healthcare provider and come up with an action plan to deal with what's going on uh, with your genitals. And I would say, you know, just because um, we're saying that, you know, most places that are focused on sexuality and sexual health do have very sex positive people working there. But I would say that's not 100% universally true. You know, I have, I've had bad experiences occasionally, and I know friends who have also. And so, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about even more is like, you know, how do you make this more normalized? How do you bring this into the rest of your life? How do you bring your friends into these conversations, friends and partners, right? And I think it's also really important to talk to friends and partners about where they've been tested and, you know, where they've had good experiences and get recommendations from friends also about where they've gone because, yeah, you want to find a place that's a good fit for you and you want to find a place that is also um, like really friendly and welcoming and you might be able to find a better place just by asking a few friends rather than just searching for something. So I think that's, you know, make it make it a regular conversation you're having with your friends too. Where do you get tested? Where have you gone last, you know? Yeah. Want to hear a really uh, funny story about me? He asked, this like it's not a rhetorical question so uh (laughs) little little andrew when i went to college um for those of you who don't know i am 
a little bit germophobic. Uh, I don't like touching people <laughs> and uh, I have hand sanitizer everywhere. Um, but, you know, I, when I became sexually active with partners, I had a three ring binder and I would go every three to six months and get a full screen at, at Penn State University. Thank you, uh, Health Services Penn State for putting up with me. And then I had a whole <laughs> binder and anybody who I'd be interested in having sex with, I'd be like, well, here is my sexual binder. Where is yours? Where are your tests? Do you have a three year history? Uh, can you give me all of the details and you know i'd page through and look at my results um I, i'm sure i have that somewhere that's like an artifact if i ever become like famous like you could look at my no, sti nobody test wants to look at your <laughs> nobody wants to look at your test room uh, I'm not going to say how many but, years ago. <laughs> but, but the people there, right, and this was a couple years ago, were all really supportive and nice. But spring is right. Uh, ask friends for good doctor references, good nursing references, good sexual health references. If you have a bad connection to a health care provider, like, don't go to them again. You're like, all right. And don't not go at all, but just don't go to that one. Ask somebody like, hey, do you know anyone who's a little bit nicer? And if you're at a Planned Parenthood and someone is rude, you should definitely report them as well, saying like, you know, this person's not working within the ethic of sex positivity and sexual support and sexual health. So something else I think is really, really important for us to talk about today about getting tested. And I mean, I think this is the most important part of today's episode is when should I get tested after an event happens. You've had unprotected event. sex. You've had unprotected sex. There we go. By event, other- event, we mean you didn't use the condom you meant to use. <laughs> or it broke. Or um, something else happened. Um, who knows? But yeah. Or just if you've been in a relationship with someone for a while and you haven't using been using protection and then you're going out into the dating world again. Um, and I mean, we talk about this a lot too, even, you know, in relationships that we communicate and we think are monogamous, that doesn't always mean our partners are. Um, sometimes they have done things outside of a relationship without telling you. So, People, you know, you could be at risk. You could be at risk if you haven't been used, using protection with a partner. So definitely as you're changing partners, as you're changing relationships, that's a really important time to get tested again also. So it doesn't have to be um, this time like, oh, I forgot to use a condom, but changing relationships, changing partners, that's a great time to do that too. And there's a lot of people who go and they'll have like a one night stand or a hookup and they won't use a condom. And then they'll go to the clinic and get tested the next day. Um, and yeah, so uh, there's this, there's this thing called the, the window period or the testing window for all of the various, uh, STIs out there. Um, and it's different for every single one, uh, from a few Which days very from a annoying. Few days to a few months. Um, and, and what that testing window means, right. Is that if you get, uh, come in contact with a bacteria or a virus, um, it takes it a while to sort of do its thing and grow. Uh, and at the very beginning, when you're first infected with a with a new STI, you might not notice anything for days, weeks, months, or even years. Um, so this testing window means, like, if I had unprotected sex and then I got tested the next day, it would come back negative, right? But then a week later, I could potentially spread chlamydia to somebody else, right? So that that sort of that incubation period when the test isn't sensitive enough or there's not enough chlamydia in me to actually show a positive on the test. 
but every single one is a little bit different. So the window periods change. It is a, a so, little bit confusing. Yeah. So if you're looking at the different window periods, um, I mean, I think one thing to do is a lot of people say like, well, if you haven't been tested in a while, go ahead and go the next day because then you have like a baseline measure that you can look at and say like, okay, I know, you know, this is, this is basically valid for a few months and everything happened before that. And then I'm going to need to get tested again. And if you, I mean, I kind of like the idea of waiting a couple of weeks after an event <laughs> or whatever we want to call it um, and kind of using that as the baseline because a lot of um, infections do have this one to two week window period. So at least you would have a better idea about a few of them if you wait a couple of weeks, but then you're still going to need to go um, in a few months after that. Yeah. So really, it's the bacterial STIs, chlamydia and gonorrhea that show up pretty quickly. Um, that's one to two weeks. And then it's the viral ones that take typically a lot longer to show up in tests. Um, so like the real answer, like Spring said, is like get tested and then get tested, you know, get tested a week or two afterwards and then get tested a month after that. And that's really the only way that you can really be sure uh, about various uh, STIs and negatives and positives. Um, but the day after, it's just like when people like uh, have sex and then get take a pregnancy test the next day. I'm like, no, it, it takes a little while for these processes to happen, for things to be positive. Um, so that window, though, is important because during that window period, you can be contagious and you can spread them to other people as well. So if you really want to be protective after you've had unprotected sex, be extra careful, use condoms, um, use safer kinds of sex, uh, outer courses and manual uh, masturbation or stimulate, like do things that protect yourself and protect the people around you as well. So, but we do need to take a short break. When we get back, we're going to be talking about what can we do to make this a little bit easier and what can we do if we get a positive result? Be right back. Welcome back to The Sex Wrap. You are here with Spring and Andrew answering questions about getting tested. Um, so the original question is someone freaking out and we've broken it down into when and who and how and what does it look like. Um, I think we should talk about some other strategies for how to make it easier uh, to get tested. Um, and something that I've done, you know, I teach classes about this uh, as to Spring. Um, and I'll have like a student who's freaking out and they think they have everything. I've actually walked with students to the student health clinic on campus at Penn State and at the University of Miami and gotten tested with them. Um, just like, you know, talk them through the whole thing, try to bring down the stress, normalize it. Uh, and, and I think that, the, that there's really something special um, in that friendship thing. Like, I'm not going to go get tested with all of you listeners. I would be getting tested nonstop and I, I don't have that much blood. But uh, <laughs> talking with a friend, Going with the friend, you know, making it a normal occurrence with friends. If you're really anxious about it, you know, talking with a close friend. I think friends are one of the best ways to get tested. Yeah. Going with somebody makes it 
a lot easier. Like you can also make it into a fun day. You can be like, before we go get coffee, after we go to a yoga class or, you know, whatever your things are that you like to do. Um, And then you can like make it a little event. You can like give yourself some like chill time, you know, afterward, be kind to yourself. But if you like kind of set it up with somebody, there is a little bit more of like uh, looking forward to it. Like you get to see your friend, you get to hang out. It kind of takes away some of the anxiety. And also you have someone right there to talk to. You know how like when you're waiting, all you're doing is like texting people on your phone, right? You're like sitting there like, oh, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. Like when you have someone right there, it's so great because you can really like co-regulate and you can like calm down and you can be like, okay, this is fine. Or you can uh, psych each other out a little bit and have it be funny and laugh. And that also will uh, calm you down a little bit. But definitely, definitely do it with other people. You can do it with your partners. You can also like make it um, a club thing, you know, like every three months, we all go do this together, like get in on our sexual health club that is the most fun club you could be in, you know? (laughs) Sexual health club. Let's get tested. The other thing that you can do to really bring the anxiety down and make it easier is just make it a habit, like put it in the calendar and schedule it and just have it be a normal thing. So even if you've not had sex with anybody in a whole year, still have that STI test, just like make it a part of your your life, your schedule and get it done. Um, And doing it that way really helps with the window periods as well. Like if it's just an annual thing, you'll catch stuff along the way that might happen. Um, But just make it a habit. Uh, And the thing is, every time you get it done, every time you get another uh, STI test, it gets easier than the time before. So the anxiety from that first one, the second time decreases from the third one decreases. Um, I'm part of a clinical trial research study where I get tested in the mail every three months. Um, And I'm at incredibly low risk of HIV. And the first time I did my test and I got it back in the mail, I was like, oh my gosh, what's it going to say? Like, I knew what it was going to say. And I teach it and I talk about it and we're answering questions about it. And I still have some anxiety, right? So just making it more habitual uh, makes it easier. And along with that, um, you know, once you start thinking about it and once you start getting these STI tests, it starts changing the way that you have sex, right? It it changes the way that you assess the sexual risks around you. Um, So it gets easier in a lot of different ways, like friends, habits, and assessing those risks. And I think along with it, we need to start working hard to destigmatize STIs. They're so common. They're so normal. Like if we look at something like herpes, 90% of adults have herpes by the time they're in their like 30s, 40s, and 50s. Yet people are freaked out about it all the time. And something like herpes, there's really the the only negative long-term impact of herpes is the stigma surrounding herpes and people feel bad about having herpes. Uh, so destigmatizing it. Um, and if you listen to our episodes, we have lots of episodes about STIs over the last five or six years. Um, but destigmatizing them, right? Like making them human, making them normal. Now, I'm not saying we should like run out there and try to find them all. It's not like Pokemon got to catch them all. Uh, but we still want to avoid them, <laughs> right? But we want to, yeah, spring space right now. Um, but none of them are a death sentence. None of them are scary, right? So it's changing and destigmatizing them, making them human. Um, and when you think and about it, it that way, it makes it easier. I think, yeah, like, like let's talk about what does 
destigmatizing actually look like? What does that actually mean? Because it's kind of easy to say destigmatize, but like when we are talking about destigmatizing, we're saying like, okay, how can we take away this like sting that this um, and having this infection has, or this sting that like it has to like tell somebody about it, right? And so, one of the ways that we know to destigmatize things the best, the fastest, the easiest is to talk about them because stigma lives in the shadows, it lives in this like silence. So, we want to talk about these things, we want to communicate, you know, even just like when you're going to get tested, you know, when you're talking about that, you're asking questions, where do your friends go? You're telling them you're going to get tested. Even that is starting to destigmatize the process, right? Because you are being open about the fact that sexual health is important and you're starting to have conversations with people. And so that's a really great first step. But we have a whole episode called Are You Clean, <laughs> yep. which is a great episode to refer back to, to um, where we, that whole episode is talking about destigmatizing STIs and STDs. And we talk about why that's a bad, bad question to ask, what that actually means and what that feels like, and then how to um, take more steps in your life to destigmatize. So definitely go check out that episode. It's the whole thing is all about how to do that. One last question that we have to answer before we're done for today, and it is, what happens if I do get a positive? It's so easy. You get it treated, whatever you, whatever you yeah. need to do. Uh, I mean... <laughs> like, like I said just a few minutes ago, every single STI out there has relatively accessible relatively affordable if you have insurance almost always free that's the, the the exception there is hepatitis c but that that would take me like three more hours to rant about but um pretty much every single std sti out there has really good treatment plans um and you get on that treatment plan um the harder part right if you test positive is that you have to let all of your sexual partners know that you tested positive um so that they can then get treated as well uh because if you start a treatment plan and your partner doesn't, you will cure or get rid of or, you know, get rid of the side effects or symptoms of yours. And then they'll just give it back. Like we see this happen all the time where a couple will, will only one of them will get treated. And like, I have chlamydia, you have chlamydia, I have chlamydia, you, like they'll just pass it back. So it's important that you get a treatment plan, you tell all of your partners, all of your partners also get on the same kind of treatment plan, you follow that plan. Um, and then with all of these STIs, all of the stigma makes people think like they're the biggest, scariest things ever. With good treatment, they're either completely curable or all of them are, you know, diseases that you can live with uh, in a very normal everyday life. So, yeah. And I mean, I think the um, thing about, you know, testing positive for something and then needing to tell partners. Also, that does feel, you know, like another big burden, another thing that feels scary that you have to do. And there's also ways, you know, to reduce that anxiety. Like you can, you can, if you, I recommend, you know, doing it in person or on the phone instead of just texting somebody about it um, so that you can, um, you know, get through 
whatever questions the person has and like, you know, reassure them. You can tell them, you know, what the treatment is, what you're doing, you know, and so if they do have it, you can tell them a little bit about it. Um, and that I just would say don't text about it because it can be, you know, a really alarming text to receive for somebody. And also, um, I don't, I don't like people screenshotting and sharing things. And I would just say, you know, if you're going to communicate with someone about this, give them a call, have a conversation. And I think that's going to be one way to like help secure some of your privacy around it and to feel a little more, um, like you can, uh, communicate what you need to communicate with the person. Um, and you can also practice doing that. I mean, that's the, the other thing I want to recommend is practice doing those things with your friends, practice those conversations. So you can try it out on your friends, say, okay, how about if I phrase it like this? How about if I say this? Um, so that you walk into that conversation, knowing kind of what, what, someone might ask back what you can say, how it might go, and you don't feel quite as nervous. Yeah. And I think it's also really important, like you getting tested and finding out first does not mean that you're the one who's giving it to other people. It just means you're the one who's doing a responsible thing and getting tested, right? Like you can't tell like the direction of time, who gave what to whom. Um, Instead, when you're writing these texts, you might want to say like, we have an issue, we have a problem, we have to talk like it, it, with the other person, like frame it as a we issue because STIs are a we issue. It's not you gave it to me, I gave it to you. It's we engaged in a behavior where we both put each other at risk and now we have to deal with it and we have to you know, work through this treatment plan so that we can protect ourselves and each other. Um, so like frame it like, like that. Too frequently, the person who gets tested gets blamed for the STI, but all they did was the right thing in making sure they were protecting themselves. So like we have to sort of take that out of the equation and know that if you're the one who's getting tested and if you find out that you're positive, you're the one who's doing the hard work of actually being a good friend, a good lover, a good whatever it is inside of the relationships that you're sharing with others. All right. Any last words for who, what, where, why, when, how I should get tested? Yeah. I mean, I think just go do it now. <laughs> Get yourself on track. <laughs> I think I will uh, tomorrow. And I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm just going to go do it. Just like, I want to be a good example for other people as well, because I can destigmatize it, right? Like Spring and I uh, can go get tested and all of our listeners, you know, like, oh, wow, these people I listen to talking about sexual health are going to get tested. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to go tomorrow and I will find my binder and I will put my new test into my uh, STI screening <laughs> binder. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, thank you for listening, everybody. No. Uh, And if you have any questions about this episode, any follow-up questions about this, any questions at all about STIs, about relationships, about romance, about sexual health. About Andrew's binders. About my binder. We would love to hear from you. Uh, You can... Call us at 413-I-RAP-IT. You can send us an email. We're the sexrap at gmail.com. That's rap with a W, W-R-A-P. And you should definitely check out our social media. We're really active on Instagram and lightly active on Twitter and Facebook at The Sex Rap. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, 
or just too af- Music for this episode provided by the ever-elusive and mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. The Podglomerate. A Sonic Universe.